What can you expect from an experienced financial advisor? Are all advisors alike? And will the right advisor really make a positive difference? Your Financial Journey is a podcast brought to you by Providence Wealth Advisors, LLC, a wholly owned affiliate of Providence Bank and Trust. In this series, members of the PWA team discuss the importance of planning, relevant developments, and investment strategies geared to help you achieve your wealth management goals and to provide you with experience, guidance, and support every step of the way. So welcome to this month's Providence Wealth Advisors podcast. Uh, This is Doug DeGroat, and August is National Back to School Month. So we thought we would drill a little deeper into our last month's topic of teaching children about finances and touch on some specific ways to save for college education. And while we're going to focus on paying for college today, uh, just as a note, many of these same concepts apply for private educational expenses. So this podcast might still be appropriate for those of you that are dealing with grade school or high school private education costs. So with that said, we'd like to welcome back again today, uh, Cheryl Dalton and Nicole Smith, who joined our last month's podcast to talk about some of these topics and strategies in more detail. So welcome to both Cheryl and Nicole. Thanks, Doug. Thank you, Doug. So appreciate it. And from the inclusion of Cheryl and Nicole on this topic, I thought what that would do is give us three different perspectives on saving for college. Uh, Myself, whose children are now out of college, um, so you can make it, Uh, I actually did it. Uh, There is light at the end of the tunnel. And Nicole, who's in the midst of these college uh, expenses and and the entire experience. And then finally, Cheryl, who's about five years away from all of this fun and of course, financial responsibilities, uh, all associated with college. So, Let's talk about some specific strategies for college savings. We're going to get right into this topic. And then at the end of this podcast, hopefully we'll have a a few minutes left to just talk about some other options that you could potentially use to augment some of these costs for college. But But the primary one that we all typically focus on initially is the savings that have been done for each child. So with that said, there's, there's a couple ways that, that both Cheryl, Nicole, and I uh, thought of that, that we wanted to outline for each of you. And I'm going to lead off with the first one because it's the strategy that I used in trying to set aside funds for my children in this process. And what we did was we set aside money in our names. So that was in my name and my wife's name, a joint account, and kind of segregated each of those accounts by child. So we had an account set up for child A, account set up for child B, and account set up for child C. And some of you listeners may may be familiar with this because it's a strategy you're employing based upon uh, discussions that, that I may have had with you. There's one key pro in this process. Why would you do it? You, you're able to maintain control. So the funds are in your name you're able to distribute them as you see fit for whatever you see fit for. Hopefully that's college, but if the child doesn't go to college, you can use it for whatever you want uh, or whatever you feel is warranted for that child. Uh, the negative is you're getting no breaks. <laughs> you're getting no tax breaks. You have to pay the tax on those funds um, as the child's growing up. They're in your name. Um, there's no real benefit um, 
and especially as we get into some of these other options that, that Cheryl and Nicole are going to talk about, there's, there's no real tax advantage to doing this. It's really a control issue. Um, but for me, it's one that worked and it was a real simple process. Like I said, all you have to do is open up a, an account and joint account and an individual account for those of you that may not be married. And again, you just segregate it by child. You can even segregate the fund. You could have one account, three children and three different funds within that one account with each fund allocated to a particular child. It's just a real simple way to save for children. So with that, I'm going to now turn it over to Cheryl. And, and it's because there's a strategy. The next one we'd like to talk about, which is an UGMA account, is one that I know Cheryl is employing for her children. So Cheryl, I'm going to turn it over to you. Thanks, Doug. Um, so the UGMA account um, is short for Uniform Gift to Minors Act. And basically, it's an account that is established with a custodian, so someone older than 18, who essentially controls the account. And there are some tax benefits when individuals deposit funds into these type of accounts. But of course, that depends on each individual's tax rate and um, how that is handled. But each state has different rules on kind of the, the rules of the UGMA. So it's important to make sure that before looking into this, you know, you touch base with um, either your tax accountant or somebody um, in the financial business. The, one of the pros of these UGMA accounts are that the funds are not designated just for school. So they would basically sit in an account with the custodian who manages the account and has control. However, when that the child is um, turns the age of 18 or 21, depending again on the state, those funds go directly to the child. So as Doug said, you know, a little bit less control, the funds would be distributed to the child and then you can use those for other things. Um, hopefully it's for college, but it may be for a new car or um, you know, if the child doesn't go to college, the funds can be used for other expenses down the line. And Nicole, I know you were going to touch base on another strategy, the 529 plan, which has a little bit more um, stringent rules. Right. So we have several customers who own these, and then I personally have them for my children. For those listeners who aren't familiar with the 529 plans, they're a savings plan that were created, that were initially created to give parents, grandparents, and so on, a tax-advantaged way to save for college expenses. Then beginning in 2018, Congress expanded the allowable use of these plans to cover K-12 through tuition expenses. One of the most common questions that I get is who can open a 529 plan and the answer is anyone can open a 529 plan. The most common account in my experience is a parent or a grandparent opening one for a child or grandchild. The next most common question I get is what if my child doesn't use it? Um, can it be used for another child or another person? And the answer is yes, you can change the beneficiary on the account. 
you also, as the owner of the account, control um, how the money gets paid out. The biggest advantage to a 529 plan is that there is a tax-deferred growth potential and a tax-free qualified withdrawal if used properly. There are rules to follow when funding and drawing from the 529 account, but when used properly, it can be a very nice way to save for a child's education. All of the state plans that I have come across have websites with information and client service representatives who can answer any questions. We are also available to answer questions about these plans, and there are plans available through private institutions as well. So that's great, Nicole, um, and thank you, Cheryl, as well, on the, the, the UGMA uh, description. And I guess just kind of taking this uh, a little bit further, and I, th I think the thing that's worth pointing out, whether it's my strategy or the UGMA strategy or the 529 strategy, the, those accounts can have deposits made by whoever into those respective funds. Um, so I know, Cheryl, we, we've got a couple accounts like this on the UGMA side, and, and there's a number of, um, if you will, family members that have contributed to those UGMAs, right? That's right, Doug. And, um, you know, some people use it as an annual uh, birthday gift. They will go ahead and contribute to the account rather than doing gifts directly to the child. Um, and some people, you know, if they have discretionary income and they just, you know, want to put some money into the account, we have those as well. Uh, that's exactly. And, um, I think that's right on. And Nicole, it's the same with the 529 plans as well, right? That, that a variety of family members can be a part of that process and trying to set aside funds. Exactly. And um, I use the Bright Start Illinois plan and there's a place on the website, it's a U-Gift and anyone can go on there and, you know, gift to the 529 plan. Um, and then grandparents, it really is a nice way for grandparents if they, you know, if they want to do some gifting, it's some, some estate planning there as well, gifting to the next generation. And it, it's, it's a nice vehicle to use for that as well. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I, I think in all of these strategies, as, as the listeners can, can tell, the goal is to try to maximize savings, however it may be, just as Cheryl said, whether it's birthday gifts, and grandparents, like Nicole said, et cetera, the idea is to try to get money into one of these strategies to keep saving for, for education. So kind of moving on from there, another strategy we wanted to just talk about, and it's a little more involved, but is um, depending on the family, there, it's possible that the grandparents may have a desire to set aside money for, for college. Now you can, they can do that under any one of these programs we just talked about, uh, whether it be a 529 plan or UGMA, et cetera. They could certainly put money into those accounts, like we said, but they can also pay tuition directly to the school and in essence, um, get more of a gift, if you will, annually out of their estate. So it's a strategy we've employed, we've employed with a few of our customers, depending on their wealth, obviously, but um, it's a way to kind of bring an estate down and again, try to 
to assist particularly grandchildren uh, with some of these costs associated with, with college. Um, and I think um, one of the things, again, you know, as we've talked that I think is very important is, you know, this should be part of a, a, a family discussion. Again, if you, if you start to get into these type of issues, especially with grandparents, you know, the whole family ought to be part of the discussion and you ought to bring in your financial advisor uh, and or CPA as part of this process. And just as Nicole said, we'd be happy to to, to help anyone listening today to, to try to assist them with this process. So kind of moving on from there, just real quickly as we try to wrap up, the we've talked about saving for college and that certainly is a key. Um, we just wanna to touch on a couple quick things um, as we close today of other options to offset college costs. And, the, and so again, you start with savings, but the other thing that uh, uh, can happen, especially with the child, is they can work during college. And I know, I know my children did. That was part of the plan. Uh, they were going to work during college and that assisted um, them in this process. I know, Cheryl, you're not quite there yet, but Nicole, I think it's something that you've done with your children as well, right? Yeah. And so they definitely needed to work every summer. I mean, they continue to work during the summers. And then if possible, it would be helpful to have something going on when they're in school, if possible. But the other thing that we looked at in preparation for the college years is academic performance or extracurricular activities while in high school can lead to scholarships in college that, of course, then offsets that cost. So those are things to kind of think through um, as you enter into the high school and college years. Yeah, that's great, Nicole. I know um, I always looked at that. It's um, our, our, We always push that with our children as well. The, the grades do matter. Um, they help with whether it's these scholarships and or grants along the way, and it helps drive down the funds that are needed for college. And I always told them it's like having a part-time job or, or, or saving for yourself. So you're accomplishing right. the same thing. Yeah. Yep, exactly. So, and then the other, you know, a thing we just wanted to touch on is, you know, I, I realize in this world, and, and I think in the in my case, I was able to go away to, to college, um, and that's probably everyone's goal. They want to go away to college and, and experience that lifestyle, but it doesn't have to be like that. There are certainly, again, depending on the home situation and financial situation, that's always that's not always the best course of action or best strategy. And to take that a step further. There's many companies today that you can go to work at that will in turn assist with funding your college education. And I know as an example, Target just rolled out a program um, to assist in college education. We have a program at Providence Bank that assists people with, with um, higher education costs. So that's something you know, to, to, to keep in mind as well um, perhaps you don't go away the first year. And I know, Cheryl, I think that's something um, you did, if I remember right. You actually um, started at a local college to keep those costs down. Yes, Doug, you're exactly right. And that was just part of the discussion that we had early on with my family. Um, and it was a tremendous cost savings. 
And, you know, I was able to live at home and it worked out great. And thankfully we have, we're in an area where we have some local colleges that we can attend. But I, I do think it's, it's a great option. Um, it's a great option to not only have to uh, carry the weight of the debt when you're done with school, um, but, you know, to be able to have less expenses when you get out, I think is a great idea if, you, if that's what you choose to do. And also a lot of online options, too, for getting um, an education. There's a lot of online education programs now that weren't available when we were in college either. Right, which helps drive down those costs again. And that's the, um, that's the idea here is to, to, to try to reduce costs while you're going to college um, to offset the savings that have been done. And I think... That, that, that's really a great segue into the last topic, and that's borrowing. So, you know, the whole goal is you, you have an expense, which everybody knows is going to be X. You may stay local, you may go away, but you're going to have a, an X amount to pay. And then you're going to have some savings, hopefully, to offset that. And then there's always the, the ability to borrow. And there are many types of borrowing programs out there uh, that, that children can employ. Um, and parents can employ, by the way, um, to, to, if you will, bridge the gap. But we've all read and heard many of the horror stories where kids get out of college and just are overwhelmed with the amount of debt that they've incurred for college. And I guess that's the, the point that we, the three of us would like to kind of drive home. This whole process is part of planning. You really have to start the process almost at birth. And then you have to, just like any financial plan, review it periodically, at least annually, to see where you're at. But I, I don't think the plan can just be ignore this, this big elephant in the room, if you will, these big costs that are going to happen at some point in the future, and just assume you're going to borrow, because those are the ones then that lead down, in essence, a bad path. And um, again, we, we employ borrowing. I can say from a personal perspective, I did it for my children, but we did it with a plan. Um, and as part of a strategy, there were some reduced costs, et cetera. And then we had a plan on how we were going to pay that back. Um, but again, the idea of just kind of uh, assuming that it's going to be there and you're going to borrow, pick a number, $100,000, $200,000 per child, um, without really thinking how that money is going to be paid back is, is probably not a real uh, appropriate strategy. And we could spend a whole podcast on talking about the debt and the can be employed. And I don't know, Nicole, did you guys um, uh, employ any of these different borrowing strategies or are you doing that now? So because we're still in the midst of it, it remains to be seen, but our goal is not to have to use any of those um, borrowing strategies, but it's always on the table and the goal is not to have to do that yet. Right, right. And that's good. That's good. I think it's certainly in, in any financial uh, decision, if you don't have to use that, no, no, not having to do that is good. So uh, that's yeah. great. Again, it's just like you and said, it, it's something you're reviewing. Yeah. And it really does dictate where the kids will go to school, that it's, it's playing a major role in those decisions. That's yeah. I know um, in kind of closing, that's, that's really, as we ran through all these different factors for our children that helped drive them to what college they each attended because you looked at what was saved and what was going to be owed and what scholarships were thrown in the mix, kind of put it all in a cauldron. And then, it, then that helped kind of 
if you will, point each child to, to where they thought would make the most sense for him. So you're, yeah. you're exactly right. I agree. Yeah. So as, as we close today, um, I think the, 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 the final comment that we'd like to make is, is this process, again, starts with a plan. And, and it really has to start with a plan that's developed just about at birth. And, and you got to review that plan periodically and then make changes as necessary. So, um, you know, please pass along this podcast for those of you that are listening that have children um, that might be raising their own family. I think uh, hopefully they'll find it uh, helpful and please have them reach out to one of the Providence Wealth Advisors um, staff if they've got any questions. Uh, thanks for listening to this podcast. Um, if you're looking for uh, information on any financial timely topics, please uh, review our prior Providence Wealth Advisor podcast, and we look forward to talking with you soon. Thank you. Providence Wealth Advisors, LLC, or PWA is a wholly owned affiliate of Providence Bank and Trust, or PB&T. The investment products and services offered by PWA are independent of the products and services offered by PB&T and are not FDIC insured, may lose value, are not bank guaranteed, and are not insured by any federal or state government agency. Investment products and services are offered by appropriately licensed investment advisor representatives, subject to the general oversight and authority of PWA. PWA is an SEC-registered investment advisor company. To obtain a copy of their ADV Part 2A and Form CRS, visit www.providencewealth.com. PWA is located throughout the Chicagoland area and Northwest Indiana. To contact PWA, call 888-927-7387, email askexperts at providencewealth.com, or write to 20220 South LaGrange Road, Frankfort, Illinois, 60423.